Well, thank you to the girls' band, wherever you are, for your beautiful music this morning. It was really amazing. And, um, and I want to thank all of you for your courage and your bravery in tackling the snow and coming here today. We New England, our women are a hearty bunch of women. And I want to thank my husband, Rick, who helped edit my talk. And if it wasn't for him, I would have no pictures up here. So I thank him so much for that. And especially I want to thank the Board of Women's Ministries for asking me and encouraging me to come tell my story. So this morning I want to tell you how God has played and continues to play a huge part in my career in the workplace. The last time I spoke to any large group of people was probably in speech class in high school. So needless to say, I'm a little nervous. But I'm going to pretend to myself that you're a large body of passengers on a wide body aircraft, and I'm talking to you from the front of the airplane, which is my position. So please turn off your mobile phones, or at least turn them on to airplane mode. Um, sit back, tray table in a full upright and locked position. Fasten your seat belts, because we're about ready to take off. Or as I like to tell the captain, we're ready for blast off. So some people call me an air hostess, and that's mostly in Europe. Um, some a trolley dolly, and that would be in the UK. <clears throat> I've even been called a sandwich girl by an elderly gentleman in the airplane as I was going down the aisle. And someone said to me, were you offended by that? And I said, no, because at that point I had a big old tray of sandwiches. To go on, I've been called many times a stewardess, but I call myself a flight attendant. And within the industry, I'm specifically referred to as an in-flight purser. And that's because for the most part, I fly internationally and I oversee a flight crew of anywhere from eight to 11 flight attendants, depending on the aircraft that we're working. And I specifically interact and answer to the captain. So before I go further, let's take a moment and thank the Lord for being part of this conversation because actually he helped me write this. So, Father God, I feel so blessed to call you Father. Thank you for this moment to talk about you and what you have done and continue to do and teach me not only at work but in all parts of my life. I pray that you're totally glorified and that my words are a blessing to you. I pray for every woman in this room and for the families they represent. Please, please be with us, Lord, and Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts that we may know you more. And I pray that we recognize when you want us to speak up on your behalf or when you just want us to go about our work knowing that you see all we do and are blessed and pleased by what we do. In your precious name, I pray, sweet Lord. Amen. After I graduated from college, there happened to be an energy crisis in the country. Some of you may well remember, gas prices were high and speeding limits were lowered. I wanted to be a flight attendant. I wanted to travel and see the world. As it turns out, the airlines were not hiring, rather, they were laying off. 
So I was lucky enough to get a teaching job at a high school in the Cleveland, Ohio area, which is where I grew up. During that first year in the classroom, the airlines did start hiring, and I really wanted to apply, apply right then and there, but I didn't want to break my teaching contract, so I finished the year. And then I started applying. At the end of the school year, I applied to every airline I could think of. I applied to Delta, American, TWA, United, Pan Am, Braniff, remember Braniff? Half those airlines don't even exist. I was interviewed by Eastern. Fortunately, I didn't get hired by them because they went bankrupt. I wasn't hearing back from any of the other airlines. It was a really long summer and it was a discouraging time for me. At one point, my neighbor asked about the progress. She'd been influential on my Christian walk as a teenager, and she encouraged me to keep praying. She knew that at the year before, my father had actually bought me airline tickets to both Atlanta and Dallas, where I walked in in person and tried to apply at Delta and American Airlines. Yeah, that didn't really work out because they weren't hiring. She said to me, Nancy, your dad loves you so much and he wants the best for you. Think how, many, how much more and remember how much more your heavenly father loves you and he wants the best for you. So I did keep praying and I waited. As it goes, I did get hired that October by Delta Airlines, my first choice in 1976. You may wonder why it was my first choice. At the time, Delta was a much smaller airline, only had flights domestically. I remember Delta had the slogan, we fly to 90 destinations. As my father, who was business savvy, advised me, Delta was a Wall Street darling and was financially a strong airline, likely to be around for some time. Oh, and he did say to me, you can travel on your days off. You can travel the world on your days off. So for those of you who are doing the math, it's my 43rd year of flying. The first 15 years, I was based at the Boston Logan Airport, and that's when I met and married my husband, Rick. Delta grew considerably, both domestically and internationally, during my, 15, my first 15 years of flying. So three kids later, I transferred to the New York JFK Airport. For the next 25 years, I flew internationally, mostly to Europe, Africa, the Middle East, a little bit of Asia. Even though I was flying further distances, it was actually a much better flying schedule in New York than in Boston. And for me, it was better for my family life with Rick and the kids. Almost three years ago, I lastly transferred to the Detroit Metropolitan Airport, where my flying is mostly to China, Japan, and then a little bit of Korea. If I'm making your head swirl, I know, I get it. Before I wake up in the morning and I open my eyes, I think to myself, okay, where am I and what time zone am I in? <laughs> so some people think it's more fun to be served than the other way around, and I have to say, I love being waited on myself. And I've had many hours of aircraft safety training, cultural training, medical training, and security training. 
And um, talking about security training, I just want to say that when I first became a flight attendant, hijacking airplanes to Cuba was not unusual. And pretty much we were told to just be agreeable, sit it out until the plane got to Cuba. When the hijacking was over, if we were lucky, maybe the captain would go into duty free and get us Havana t-shirts for the crew. <laughs> Since 9-11, that whole scenario has absolutely changed. And our training has changed. And it's become something I never thought I would ever have to deal with. But that's the world we find ourselves in today. So getting back to my job description, it's mostly extending hospitality. And as Delta likes to call it, bold hospitality. Being purposeful, deliberate, and intentional in making people feel welcome. My job is mostly serving customers on the airplane. Now, being a Christian and reading about Jesus, I think of him. And I remember he came not to be served, but to serve others. So I really do believe it's honorable to serve. And I recognize that this is one of the gifts the Lord has given me. I happen to have a lot of fun doing it. In Romans 12, Paul talks about God giving us different gifts and doing certain things well. And in 1 Corinthians 12, he writes about the many parts of the body of Christ. In every profession or area of life, God's people need to be there. God's light can only shine through us when we are there and we open ourselves to this possibility. You know, when people come on the airplane, we're all strangers meeting for the first time. Each person walking onto the plane is not just another body. This is what God's put on my heart. But they're not just another body coming on and going to their seat. They each have full lives, and they're traveling for business, for pleasure. Many times they have a lot on their mind. They may be, may be going to visit a dying loved one, or they may be going to a funeral. In fact, a lot of times that's the only time people will ever get on a plane because they hate flying that much. Tragedy has happened, and so they find themselves on a flight. One time while passengers were boarding the plane in Rome, I was introducing myself to an elderly lady and in the course of talking to her, she told me she'd been in Rome on holiday with her husband. He died while they were there and his body was down below in the cargo. I could hardly believe these words were coming out of her mouth. Usually we're told when human remains are being transported and the family's coming on board, but we had not been forewarned that day. After talking with her a bit, I asked her if I could pray right there in the aisle for her, and she said yes. It was as simple as that. And I was aware that other passengers were watching this, but it didn't matter. Throughout the flight, all the flight attendants were made aware of her loss, and at the end of the flight, we made sure she was met and escorted off the plane. I believe after all this time, I'm right where God has placed me, and I can bring him to work with me, asking for his help and his blessing throughout my trips. In fact, I've gotten to know other Christian flight attendants through the years. One friend told me she prays for the crew before every trip. So I started doing the same thing. I pray for the pilots, the flight attendants, the mechanics, 
and then I pray for the passenger or yeah the passengers it makes a big difference it really sets the tone before going to work sometimes I can have I have I fly with a crew member that I can have a really hard time with sometimes it's a passenger who's really unhappy and I need to have an interaction with them it helps me in every situation to put it into perspective and to try to do the right thing by each person. People often ask me about difficult passengers, if I see that often. Sometimes. There are times when I encounter someone who can really press my button, and it's all I can do to take a deep breath, stay calm, and not say anything I'll regret. And by the way, I don't always succeed at this. I once had a high-value customer going to Asia try to swap his first-class seat with his wife who was sitting in the main cabin. According to company policy, you can't change seats with another passenger of a different class of service in the middle of the flight. And by the way, he had a few million miles on him with Delta, so I knew he knew this. I was in the unfortunate position of having to send her back to her main cabin seat and then he had to reclaim his first class seat. Even though he flew a lot and he knew the rules, he was furious with me. And he said that basically I was a mindless employee who should have allowed him to do what he wanted. And actually that would have been the easier way to go. Of dealing with this but the other customers were watching the seat exchange and my crew members were watching me to see what I was going to do if I was going to be consistent with the company policy later when I spoke to my supervisor about this she reminded me of the importance of being consistent and she tried to reassure me saying that what he had said about me being mindless was not true but you know really his words did not bother me because I knew he was angry, and I have learned not to put my value in someone I don't even know. Remembering my real purpose in life, I'm a daughter of the Lord. I'm part of his family. It grounds me to try to do the right thing in addressing a situation. I've come to realize that while I'm definitely on the Delta Airline payroll, I'm really working for the Lord and I have him to answer to before anyone else. He sees and he knows my motives, even when other people don't. And ultimately, I really want to please my father first. I'm not doing this out of fear. I'm doing it because I really just don't want to disappoint him. You can imagine that working for the public, one sees everything you can think of, good and bad. Always I see people of, the, of different ethnicities, ages, shapes, sizes, wearing the strangest of things in general, just really different from myself. And by the way, this is one of the things that makes my days at work so interesting. While in New York, I flew a lot of trips to Moscow, a ton of trips, so many that some of the flight attendants in New York nicknamed me Natasha. <laughs> My kids would always ask me to tell them stories about my flights when I got home. And I always had stories, like the bride who came on the plane in Moscow wearing her bridal dress with a big old hoop skirt and a corset on the top. 
She changed out of the hoop skirt in the aisle and she walked off the plane in New York carrying her massive skirt through customs. And then there was a time I was walking to the back of the aircraft and I noticed a handwritten sign taped above a lady passenger seat and it read, I hate everyone. <laughs> I asked the flight attendants in the back, uh, she's upset, what's, what's going on with that? They said um, they wouldn't let her smoke during the flight. <laughs> then going to Rome, there was a bittersweet moment when I was serving a, a couple and every time I asked the wife a question, the husband would answer. He later approached me during the flight away from her and apologized and he said she had early onset Alzheimer's and didn't make sense when she spoke. He talked at some length about how he had discovered it. By the way, she was a university professor and it just came on like that. Actually, it seemed like he just really wanted to talk. He was taking her to Rome for one last trip. <clears throat> God has really impressed me on me not to be very, very careful, not to catch myself, not to be judgmental of people. It's not my place or my burden. He's let me know he loves all people as much, no more, no less than he loves me. In Hebrews 3, 1 through 2, it says, don't neglect to show hospitality. For by doing this, some have entertained angels unknowingly. And I'd like to think in these past 43 years, I might have served just a few angels. Many times, I find myself talking to someone on the plane so different from myself who I never would have had a chance to talk to otherwise. While in New York, I flew many trips to Tel Aviv. Firsthand, I was able to see the Orthodox Hasidic Jewish ancient culture and some of the laws they must abide by. Now, I'm no expert on Judaism, but from what I've read, Orthodox Jews observe very strict laws as defined in the Torah. An Orthodox Jewish man, for instance, cannot sit next to a woman of childbearing years if she's not his wife. During boarding, we would literally have to, re have to stop, reseat people to accommodate them. Once I noticed a young Jewish man standing in the aisle during boarding, he was across, across the aisle, and I called over to him, sir, can I help you? He said, and he said it just like this, I am seated next to a woman. No problem, we'll reseat you. I, had to, I also had to be careful not to brush up or touch an Orthodox Jewish man in the aisle by accident. When I walked through the aircraft, they would be standing in the aisle and they would literally dive into their seat to avoid contact with me, kind of like the parting of the Red Sea. <laughs> this is because, again, the men couldn't be touched by women within childbearing years. And you know what, as, a, as I got older, it seems kind of funny, but some of those Jewish men actually seemed to enjoy talking to me. I'm assuming once they thought I was older and I was safe to talk to. <laughs> I remember once a couple of men even insisting on sharing their food with me that their wives had made them for the flight. These, these men really wanted me to try it. So our kosher food on the plane 
wasn't up to their, excuse me, up to their standard, so they would routinely bring food from home to eat. I once had a passenger ask if he could have his dessert, which was ice cream first, before eating his meal, and I knew right away why he had asked this. He wanted his ice cream first because the law says that they have to wait so many hours after eating meat before they can eat dairy. I could almost see God's eyes rolling in his head as this man was trying to wiggle around this law by having his ice cream first. Flight attendants were always being asked when sunrise would happen as the men had to prepare to pray. And by that I mean they put their prayer shawls on, they wrapped their arms in leather with a box, a leather box here, and then they put a leather box here with the, the straps around their head. Um, there's scripture in these boxes. Uh, there was some, there was, they had to prepare. And once they started praying, they could not be interrupted during the prayer or they had to start all over again. I'm t I was told by one male passenger that it's the man's responsibility to pray, not the woman's. Speaking of praying, the men would routinely gather other unknown Orthodox Hasid Jewish Hasidic men to pray with them and to uh, complete a minion to pray. Now, a minion consists of 12 men who would pray together so God would hear their prayer. And I actually have a pretty funny story to tell about minions. A male passenger asked me if he, it would be all right if he would pray next to my jump seat, which is just outside the cockpit after the service was complete. And I said, yes, of course, it's fine. Well, I went on my crew rest break, which is at the back of the aircraft. We have crew bunks at the back, and I was there for a few hours. When I returned, the flight attendant who was working first class said to me, you're not going to believe what happened while you were gone. That guy brought up 11 guys to pray up here. The area was jammed with men praying. And because of the location just outside of the cockpit, it was a security issue. So the flight attendants had to stop the minion, which was not easy to do, and send the men back away from the cockpit. You know, I really could go on and on about these laws, but you get the idea. The Old Testament and why Jesus came to do away with the laws became totally real to me, just as I saw how much these Orthodox Jews are bound by these laws. To me, it's as real today as, as it's been for thousands of years, and it continues today for them. On initial descent, I want to tell you a most unlikely story on a domestic flight I was working. It wasn't a terribly long flight but one that really touched my heart. I was working first class, talking to the customers, just normal stuff. After the beverage service was complete, the other flight attendant and myself were sitting on our jump seats, talking to each other. One of the customers came up to use the lavatory. We kind of grabbed him, started talking to him for a while. He went into the lab and then he returned to his seat. About a minute later, he came back up to us and he handed us each a track, a little track, and he told us to read it after the flight. 
Well, I was too curious and that wasn't going to happen. So I started reading it. The track talked about his son, Lance Corporal Thomas E. Rivers, Jr. My passenger was his father, Dr. Tom Rivers from Birmingham, Alabama. Dr. Rivers wrote about how much his son wanted to become a Marine. It meant everything to him. His son wanted more than anything to do his part to protect America, and he felt very strongly that God had called him to be a warrior. Lance Corporal Rivers was indeed eventually deployed to Iraq and then Afghanistan. He brought with him his focus, his faith, and his strength in God. During this time, he struck up a friendship with another Christian, Lance Corporal Matthew Proctor, who invited him to a Bible study. Out of 150 men in their unit, there were only two of them who actually attended the study. They continued their two-man Bible study, and while discouraged that others weren't joining in, they continued to pray for the men in the unit. In fact, at the same time, there was quite another following within the unit for the Ouija board. But Matthew and Thomas continued to pray, and they stayed faithful to God. At one point, Matthew was so discouraged, he just wanted to stop the study. But Thomas said, no, they should continue to meet. Thomas was a patrol leader, and as a patrol leader, he's not re he was not required to stand watch for the unit. However, a Marine in his unit was exhausted, and so Thomas offered to take his place to stand watch. To quote the track, Thomas and Matthew had been reading in the Bible about love. Love isn't an emotion, Matthew said. It's laying down your life for your friends. Greater love has no one than this, that they should lay down their life for their friends. Well, Dr. Rivers' son lost his life that morning, standing watch by unknowingly stepping on an improvised explosive device, an IUD, IED. He had taken another man's place to stand watch and he died as a result. Because of the way Thomas lived his life and making his faith known to the his faith in God known to the men in his unit. Nine Marines started showing up for the Bible study that his friend Matthew had continued. Even the Marine, who was the satanic leader of the Ouija board group. And after becoming friends with these men, with Matthew, Matthew was teaching them how to walk with the Lord Three asked for forgiveness and accepted Christ, including the Ouija board leader. And I've actually been in contact with Dr. Rivers since meeting him on that flight. And he's given me a track for each of you to take. They'll be at the doors if, and read if you like. They're available to you today. On our final descent, I want to tell you one more lesson that God has taught me about 15 years ago. Always before I go to work, I pack my bags. I make certain I have the most important items with me. My uh, phone, my Delta computer that's mandatory, my passport, my medical key in case we have a medical incident, we have medical equipment locked up. And then I put my uniform on with my my airline ID around my neck. Well, in the course of 
doing a turnaround and that's a trip where you're home the same day that you left and it's not my regular routine to do a turn, I misplaced my ID on the trip, never missing it until I got home. I can't go to work without my ID around my neck. I wear it from the time I report to work until I get home. The only time it's not around my neck is when I'm actually working a flight. And then it's in the same bag, in the same pocket, always. Well, after losing my ID, I had to fly to JFK, where I was based, and get a form that said I was indeed a Delta Airline employee. This is after 30 years of being there. I had to continue to fly on to Atlanta, or Mecca, as we flight attendants like to call it, and get on an employee bus with the form in hand to identify myself to the driver. And then I continued to the general offices to finally obtain a new ID. And then I flew back to Boston. This is all on, in one day. What I wasn't going to tell you was, it was my 25th wedding anniversary. <laughs> but I had to get it done. So, after all this was completed, only then was I able to go back to work. Now, I'm proud of my company. I love working at Delta Airlines. And I love being a flight attendant. I used to have a bumper sticker on my car that said, Delta is my airline. But without that valid ID, I was unrecognizable at Delta. But you know something? Our God is an all-knowing and ever-present God, and he knows who I am without an ID. In Psalm 139, David writes, Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know my thoughts when I'm far away and you see me when I travel and when I'm at rest at home. You know everything about me. You have made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. It's a beautiful psalm, and it tells me just how much my Heavenly Father knows me, and He loves me. And God knows and loves each of you, too, in the same way. Those of us who have accepted Jesus' gift of eternal life with God are indeed blessed. Our identity is sealed in Jesus Christ. Praise be to Him. So now we've safely landed. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace.